Hey everybody, this is Kevin Xavier, founder and editor-in-chief of New York City Protest Coverage. I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Mr. Thomas Ella. Tom, how are you? That is too nice, Kevin. I'm doing fantastic. Busy as always from running around to every protest, but I mean, honestly, like there's really nowhere else I'd rather be than telling powerful stories of powerful moments that are happening every day out on the streets. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why we came together. I guess I'll I'll take a brief walk down memory lane. So New York City protest coverage actually began Thanksgiving weekend of 2014. I'd gone back to school and was studying journalism. I was a little ways into that when this big news happening was occurring just outside of St. Louis, Missouri in Ferguson. Luckily, I was single at the time and I don't have any children, and I'm unmarried to this point. Nothing going on to keep you from covering these things. <laughs> exactly. Saying, so you know, I figured if this is what yeah, I want to do me for now. a living, <laughs> yeah. I might as well go and do it. And mm-hmm. if you recall, at the time, all we were seeing on the news was looting mm-hmm. and fires, clashes with police. Yeah, I was in Virginia at the time, and so that, that is all I saw on the news. It just looked like a huge, violent mess from the outside. But I went anyway, and... What did I find? Well, not any looting or fires. Definitely some anger toward police, for sure, and some police anger toward protesters. However, what I saw was more so three to 400 individuals who were a community, who ate together three times a day, who prayed together, who marched together. Everything was incredibly organized. And this was, you know, the major, first major steps for what we know now as BLM, Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement. The coverage versus what was actually going on on the ground couldn't be further apart. So fast forward to June 1st of this year, 2020. I'm walking to a friend's house down York Avenue, and a protest of about 1,200 people marches right past me. And I took some photos And I went home to my partner and I said to her, you know, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And she said, you should cover this. You know, you should continue what you started in 2014. Mm -hmm. That must have been so powerful to see and to see how it evolved over the course of the years. Because I remember Black Lives Matter for me as someone who was very outside of it. It felt like a fringe group. It felt like, I mean, the way it was portrayed always was a fringe group. I mean, they would show up at you know, a Bernie rally here or a Hillary rally there or something and kind of disrupt things. But you kind of just got the sense from the media that it was just look at these people doing their little thing, whatever, just kind of let them do it. And then we'll go back to real news. Yeah, definitely. And having studied journalism and and broadcast journalism for four years, one of the most common phrases you hear is if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. So if there's looting, that's what they want to show. They don't want to show kids. Mm -hmm at Duke Ellington Circle, making signs and marching for their future. I don't know why this stuff doesn't get covered, but that's really kind of what NYC protest coverage is. It's an opportunity for these stories to be told. And look, there's plenty of them. I'm constantly backed up on things I'd love to share with people. Things that either like brought me to tears or enraged me. And uh, meeting you and having joined the team here actually helps so much in the pursuit of like making sure that these stories do get told. 
I agree. Obviously, Tom is a really important member of our team and the first person to join us. I guess we should chat about that a little bit. Up until sure. about a month ago, it was just me. Quite frankly, I'm not incredibly technologically savvy. I, don't, I know our page looks nice and people say that to me, but we now have a team of about 10 photographers, cinematographers, folks who write content. So what brought you into the fold, Tom? At first, I was kind of reticent to join the protest just because of concerns with COVID. And then I had a friend ask if I, if I was in, in part of the protest. And I said, no, because because I was concerned about COVID. I didn't, I didn't want to get COVID and bring it into my apartment, infect my roommates, etc. And then him asking me that kind of made me like re-look at everything that was going on. Like I'm sitting here worried about that as people are literally just being brutally murdered in the street without much consideration. And that kind of just made me feel like, what, like, what am I doing sitting on the sidelines? I really, I need to get out there. So I just picked a protest on June 1st and it was just incredible to watch because we were going through these neighborhoods and people were coming out of their apartments. They were hanging out of windows you know, I saw this family, uh, this black family come out of their front door and this like little girl of like maybe six years old or, or younger was leading, she was from her porch, she was like leading a chant of like Black Lives Matter. And it like honestly was like so emotional, like day one, I like teared up a bit just, just watching her and like knowing that this is the world that she's now growing up in is one where she can watch and chant and lead as people march down the street for her and her justice. And that from, from then on, I mean, I was just was out every day with pretty much no breaks until we did have a COVID scare and then I had to stay in. And in the time that I had to stay in, which is at the end of June, I decided to buy a camera. I was tired of not being able to get badge numbers and seeing, you know, things not get documented properly. And so my first day out was in Washington, D.C., took some pictures. It was fine. It was on July 4th. And then when I came back, it was July 7th, and that was my first day back in the New York protest scene with my camera now. And that was the day that two MTA employees used an SUV to essentially commit an act of domestic terrorism and plowed through the line of protective bikers and a crowd of about 100 protesters, police car in the corner, watching the whole thing happen, didn't intervene. Three ambulances and a fire truck beat any police to the scene. And then the police who were there, one of them said, this isn't my problem. And then one of them said, I'm not here to help you. And watching everyone's reaction of just being so traumatized and then having the cops come and do that, that, that was such a, a powerful day for me that it, you know, again, reinforced what I wanted to do. And then you happened to be writing a story on it. And so you reached out to me to ask my account of it. And we just got to talking and it turned out that we just aligned on so many values and what our goals were in this movement and where we saw our place, because I feel like everyone has a place in this movement, whether that place is behind a bullhorn, behind a camera, behind a microphone, even just behind a social media account sharing things. But I just viewed my role as I am here to document. I'm here to document so that the organizers who were incredible at keeping us safe and keep making sure that no one really got too injured I want to be here covering that so they can concentrate on this. If the police come in, then I make sure that we have an accurate account of everything that happened, whether the protesters were in the wrong, whether the police were in the wrong, whether no one was in the wrong. Like, I just want to make sure that we are capturing this moment and this movement 
in as accurate of terms as possible. Couldn't have put it better myself, Tom. And you said something there that's very important. We welcome Narrative's Counter, one of the leaders of the People's March, had said at an event we were attending the other day that they welcome dialogue. And we were really pleased to hear that because we don't hear a lot of it, quite frankly. We'd love to hear more of it. I will. I know there will be definitely some listeners who rightfully have concerns about all sides and wanting to show both sides and everything because that is definitely something where there's a right way to do it, I feel like, and a wrong way to do it. For instance, there was a lot of controversy when the New York Times published Senator Tom Cotton's piece on why we should use the military to occupy U.S. cities. And I feel like that, personally speaking, was a pretty irresponsible use of both sides because then you're just giving a platform to ideas that are dangerous. I'm interested in being more objective, but I'm not interested in giving dangerous ideas a platform that they wouldn't otherwise have. And I think that is definitely a distinction that I think is absolutely right for people to watch out for and criticize if they see us going in a direction that they feel is not fair or is not in keeping with our values. Right. And I think you said it best the other day, Tom, when we were were talking uh, about this topic and about the podcast in that we take pains to make sure that we are responsibly sharing this information as well as responsibly providing a perspective. Yeah. And of course, the natural limitation to truth is that truth is always going to be perspective. Like if I share a video of an event, the truth you're getting is my perspective, regardless of how objective I tried to be. It's impossible for humans to be fully 1,100% objective. That's the understanding that I hope that we will have with listeners is that it's not that we are presenting ourselves as like we're like the dictionary in terms of like this is objective. It's, It's we are striving to tell the story of these protests as accurately as we possibly can and make sure that we're not skewing one way or the other too much. The worst thing for me would be if we're doing something that does not accomplish our goals, but we're not getting the feedback to realize it if we can't see it. So if someone feels like I would not want someone to be listening to this thinking that we're skewed too far one way or the other, or thinking that we're not presenting uh, a perspective as well as we could have, or not including enough diverse voices. So if, if there's ever a time that people feel like we have crossed a line here or crossed a line there, please feel free to reach out either to the NYC protest coverage, to me personally. However you do it, if you see me at a protest, come and say hi and just like let me know. Let me know your thoughts and your feedback and hopefully we can all grow this thing together. And that's important to keep in mind that it's all a collaborative effort. We all work together as a team. I would definitely, I mean, for full disclosure, I mean, Kevin and I were both 30s white men. But that also, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is the we are the minority on our team, right? As far as white men are concerned, we are absolutely the minority. It's about a 50-50 split between people of color Mm -hmm. and Caucasians, five women, five men, Mm -hmm. And those, those are the dynamics to break down. And we're going to continue to grow the team. And as we do that, we are con- going to continue to add voices and perspectives that we don't have at present. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's important, too. If you know someone who does great photography work and they like our stuff and they'd like to collaborate, don't hesitate. Reach out. We want to speak to those people. If you have talent, we want to work with you. The photographers on our team, they are you, the listener. Yeah, I'm, I'm just very glad that... Listeners who have gotten this far in the episode will certainly know where we come from. With the podcast specifically, 
I view it as another medium for sharing stories just the same way I would photos and videos. Absolutely. So I want to make sure that we are getting on prominent voices. We have some pretty exciting guests coming up. Yep, some congressional candidates, uh, yeah. state assembly candidates. Activist leaders. Demonstrators. Yeah. You name it. We're trying to track them down because we want to hear what they have to say about the movement. So you'll hear a, a variety of voices on this podcast. And I guess... The way to put a bow on the whole thing is that it's important for our audience to understand and the guests we'll have on to understand we're going to ask tough questions. However, we are going to take the time to make sure that we are properly sharing the answers to those questions and allowing the person answering them to provide the context. I could have said it better, so I, I don't know that I have too much more to add. I feel like we've outlined everything pretty well and i'm sure listeners will give us the feedback on whether or not we're doing it well yeah and soon enough you'll hear from the whole team and you'll get their perspectives too so jump on instagram go to at nyc protest coverage click follow and you can follow along with our stories while you're at it go check out at mr thomas ella at holiday h-a-l-i-d-e dot hustle Flicks by Lucy. We'll post all this information. Yeah, we can post these in the show notes. Jan Marie, Rico Photography. We'll give you all the names of all the team members and collaborators so that you can check out their work as well. Thanks for jumping aboard. And for the foreseeable future, we're looking forward to chatting with you at least once every week. Thank you again for listening to this quick intro episode. We are so excited for you all to hear what's coming next. Our first official episode will premiere tomorrow, Tuesday, September 22nd, and feature Derek Ingram, one of the co-founders of activist group Warriors in the Garden. If you've heard Derek's name in the news lately, it's probably because he live-streamed a five-hour NYPD raid of his apartment last month involving approximately 50 officers, helicopters, a drone, and apparently no arrest warrant. We talked to Derek about the experience, his subsequent call to unify all activist groups in New York, where he sees this movement going, Joe Biden's VP pick of Kamala Harris, and so much more. Make sure you're subscribed in your podcast app, and we will see you tomorrow.